everybody. Welcome back to the Pop, a.k.a. the Preston Outdoors podcast. And once again, we're coming back to you with another episode. Sorry for the uh, inconsistency on in uploading episodes here. We've It's been a pretty crazy summer, pretty crazy fall. Uh, if you guys haven't already, go ahead and check out the previous episode where I talk with my buddy AJ. And we go over some dog tips, trainings, techniques, stuff like that for your waterfall dog. Um, hopefully, everybody's had a chance to get out there and enjoy the waterfall season. Wherever you're at, um, some places hasn't started yet, but North Dakota, it's in a full swing. Uh, just uh, just the other day, my brother invited me out. He found some birds. Him and my dad and I went out and shot a, a full three-man limit of ducks. We got teal, widgeon, a lot of widgeon, surprisingly, gadwall, mallards, and and some Canadian geese mixed in there. So it was a pretty fun Pretty fun hunt, but kind of get everybody up to date on what's going on with me. I'll make this uh, very, very quick. I will do another podcast episode reflecting back on um, where I've been over the month of October here, basically. But uh, I've been gone doing the Bassmaster Central Opens. We were in Lewis Smith Lake um, down by Jasper, Alabama. And then we were just at Grand Lake down by Grove, Oklahoma. Um, if you guys didn't know that already or just new to the podcast, I fished the Bassmaster Opens as a co-angler um last year and this year the central division or whatever and so i was down at those two lakes one was rescheduled from april so i had two and in the month of october so i'll be home for 10 or 11 days or now we'll be home for 10 or 11 days in october it was crazy on the road be gone for a week and a half i was home for four days and then was gone again so it's kind of a little recap i will like i said i will dive into talk about everything what i learned all that good stuff a lot of people are interested in what what goes down um, in those tournaments. So yeah, we'll talk about that. But in today's show, we're going to be talking with once again, Johnny candle. Uh, if you guys haven't already, you can go back. Uh, I can't remember what episode it is, but it was towards the spring. We had Johnny on here. Johnny's a good friend of mine. He's a professional walleye fisherman and a professional guide on devil's Lake. And we talked about springtime walleyes, how they transition into summer coming out of winter and stuff like that. Didn't get a chance to get a hold of, um, hooked up with Johnny and stuff this um, summer. Him and I were both real busy, but I wanted to get him on here in the fall and talk about um, fall walleyes, the transition from summer to fall and then into winter, that kind of thing, and a lot of good tips that Johnny's going to be able to uh, be able to give us. We got him, got him just after he's on a busy busy show schedule and stuff like that. So I was really appreciative for him to hop on and talk with us here. So without further ado, Johnny Candle. Talking about some fall time walleyes. All right. Welcome back, guys, to the Pop, a.k.a. the Preston Outdoors podcast. As promised, with me today is Johnny Candle. Thanks for stopping by and talking with us, Johnny. Hey, it's been too long, my friend. Uh, we haven't been in a boat together near enough this summer, and uh, the days are getting less and less. We're going to have to hook up somehow. That's definitely for sure. Well, that, you know, this is getting to be in your busy time of year, you know, later into the fall and into the winter and stuff like that. So I'm glad, glad we can get you on and talk about some fall time walleyes here. Yeah, it's uh, the fishing part of being a professional angler slows down this time of year. But man, wrapping up the year end, it's just like any other business, Ethan. And I think that's, uh, I don't want to get off topic, but I think that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is I have year end reports to write and submit and all that good stuff and making plans for next year. I'm already working on my seminar schedule for the winter months. So uh, you're absolutely correct. It's kind of nice to get off the water a little bit. But there's uh, eight hours a day to, of work that has to be done in order to get ready for next season. So uh, we're already thinking ahead. But yeah, let's talk fall walleyes. Why not? Let's tear it up, huh? 
Yeah, like I mentioned to the in the beginning here, we had you on this spring. Like I said, we didn't get a chance to catch up this summer, but one of the more popular episodes that we had on here on the, on the podcast was you talking about springtime walleye. So I thought, well, for sure, you know, I know we're now just getting into here the beginning of November. Um, you know, most people are looking towards the woods, the fields, that kind of thing, but there are select few people off and on or are diehard that are looking into fishing, especially in the Dakotas here for walleyes fishing this time of year. And I want to get your, pick your brain on it and hopefully those people that are listening can still have some success out there. Oh yeah. There's lots of good fishing left, Ethan. Uh, it's November 1st, I believe today mm -hmm. when we're recording this. So, yep. uh, man, uh, this coming weekend, uh, it looks like in the fifties. So I'll be out there every day that it's over 45 degrees. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if we dress right, let's face it, clothing nowadays lets us do things we could never do before. So if you dress right, uh, Devil's Lake, Lake Sakakawea, they're not going to freeze over, uh, until close to Thanksgiving. So that, that's almost a month. You got the Missouri river. Uh, if you want a boat, uh, the tail race, most winters stays fishable all winter long. Uh, and even down by you, right? The, the James river and the river in Valley city there and all those places, uh, they're not going to freeze up anytime soon. Put your boat on the trailer. We can head up to the rainy river, uh, at Lake of the woods. That river doesn't freeze up till well after Thanksgiving either. So there's a solid month of good fishing left uh, for all of us. And then if you want to go a little further south, uh, you know, the Mississippi River in Minneapolis, you start looking at the Missouri River in South Dakota. Uh, anybody that lives close to us, Ethan, that's a, a day drive and you're on the water fishing by lunch if you get up early enough in the morning. So lots and lots of great fall walleye fishing ahead of us still. The nice thing about that too is like you mentioned all those opportunities out there most of the people um, that are hardcore and into it they know about it but like i said this time of year is great for an outdoorsman outdoors woman whatever you want to do go out and take advantage of this because like i said most people are in the field or you know out chasing birds or something somewhere else or deer to where they kind of forget about it. so you don't have to deal with many, many people at the ramp but what i want to talk about here right now to get going is you know obviously we're coming off the summer summer haunts where the fish are normally hanging out that kind of thing when do you consider it quote unquote fall is it uh water temperature is it time of day is it the actual calendar month that you and i you know and everybody else go by what what right. considers fall for you the beginning of it the answer is yes all those things <laughs> right uh, <laughs> i like to see steadily declining water temperatures before okay. I start thinking fall. Uh, this year is a perfect example of that. We had a very, very short term decline in water temperatures. Then it got warm and the water warmed back up. And then finally it turned the corner and started cooling off pretty steadily. Uh, we're down into the forties and will not come out of the 40 degree range now for the rest of this year. There's no way it's going to warm up again that much. Uh, so that's one thing I like to look at. The other thing I like to look at is, uh, that first frost of the year. Uh, that's, that's a trigger in my mind that first frost seems to be that first really cold night starts to kill off the aquatic weed growth. Uh, and part of that, now we're getting into time of day, right? Mm -hmm. What does the calendar say it is? And let's face it, the fish don't have a calendar, but their bodies sense that the days are getting shorter and shorter and they know it's time to start moving to those fall areas and putting the feedback on. So a lot of things you'll see happen consistently every year by looking at the calendar, just because the length of day is getting shorter. To me, 
you know, September 15th or so, you really start to say, holy cow, these fish are a lot fatter all of a sudden and their body shapes are changing. And wow, they're, they're starting to be closer to the drop-offs and not so much on the big flat areas that they were on all summer. Uh, then you start looking at temperature and if we're lucky enough where that first frost coincides with September 15th, which a lot of times it does, then you get two out of three on the same time frame, and they really turn into the fall fish. Uh, and then if you've been fortunate that that first part of September, the water's been declining steadily a little bit each day and you get all three things to happen at the same time, that's when you get that lights out incredible fall bonanza that we all hope for. But this year, it wasn't too bad. Uh, fall fishing started pretty much right on schedule, middle of September. I'm starting to say those things out loud to my clients. Look how much fatter these fish are. Uh, you know, they're, they're puking fish out in the live well when you're keeping them for dinner that night. Uh, and you start to see that increased feeding activity and gets me pretty fired up uh, that time of year because I, I love that uh, big fat round walleye with really tiny heads. They're, they, they look really cool in pictures and uh, everyone likes to chase trophy fish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so would you say that the, this time of year, your fall time of year, is that, would you say the best time or I mean, maybe besides the spawn to try and catch, you know, a walleye of a lifetime? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, unless you're a really, really die hard ice angler, Ethan, uh, obviously these fish continue to grow over the winter months. Uh, there's a lot of trophy fish caught through a hole in the ice. But in my mind, you're a much more efficient angler in a boat than you are on a snowmobile or a four-wheeler or in your pickup truck on a lake uh, that's frozen. So I love October, November. Uh, the latest I've ever fished in Devil's Lake, North Dakota in a boat was December the 8th. Uh, so I could say I really like December fishing, but we don't get to do it very often. So October, <laughs> November, prime time. Uh, and what's cool about it, Ethan, is let's say middle of summer, uh, a trophy walleye, usually 30 inches to weigh 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. I've seen several fish come out of Devil's Lake in the last week, nowhere near 30 inches, and they weighed all of 10 pounds. So wow. uh, those 28 and a half, 29 inch fish this time of year, between their eggs developing and the food that they're shoving in their mouths as fast as they can all day, every day. The fish are getting big in a hurry and uh, by far the best time of year to target trophy walleyes. Yeah. Yeah. That totally, totally makes sense. That's again, another thing that people may not consider again is the egg development actually happens, you know, during the fall, during the winter, that kind of thing. So if we're going out to chase these trophy walleyes, you know, best, you know, fishing, fishing time of year, that kind of thing. Um, we want to take a step back here and let's talk about safety. Um, how, you know, getting into your boats, obviously you were talking about water temperatures that are, they're not going to get any warmer. They're going to get cooler and stuff like that. If you're going out fishing, you say by yourself with somebody else, whatever, what's some safety precautions that you, you know, take care of in case there was an accident to happen on the water? Well, obviously, obviously you're going to want to have your personal flotation device on, uh, whether it's, uh, uh, your traditional foam life jacket, or if you've got some of the inflatable suspender types, I actually wear a fanny pack that uh, is inflatable, it's a little bit more compact. They fit over your clothes, they don't restrict your movement, great thing to have on. But you may wanna put it on sooner than we normally do. And I'm guilty of this as much as anyone. When I wear one in the summertime, I launch the boat, I get off the dock, I get in the boat, 
sit down, start driving away and throw my life jacket on. Mm -hmm. Well, right now you're starting to see at your favorite lakes that there aren't many boat docks left in the water. Yeah. So you might have to get fairly creative to crawl over the gunnel of your boat. Now, remember, you got extra layers of clothes on. You've got big, heavy, clunky boots on. Uh, pretty soon, we're going to be dealing with ice on the ramps in the mornings and evenings when we're launching our boat and, and putting it back on the trailer. I would recommend throwing that life jacket on before you try getting in your boat. It's just, yeah, you say, oh, it's only two feet of water. But you know what? Concrete's harder than even my head. And you fall down in two feet of water and knock yourself out. Three minutes later, when you come to, you're going to be pretty thankful that you have a life jacket on. So throw it on before you try to launch the boat, especially if you're launching the boat by yourself. It just makes sense. Uh, and then be extra careful when you're out there. Slippery boat decks. Uh, I fish a lot more from the cockpit of my walleye boat, Ethan, this time of year instead of up on the deck in the bow. If the weather's nice, no snow, no big deal. But when it starts to get a little slippery out, I like to stay lower in the boat just in case. Uh, you feel stupid admitting it, but I've fallen down in my boat more than once in my lifetime. I'm sure it's going to happen again a time or two. And if you're down there in the cockpit, much better chance of landing inside the boat than outside of the boat. Same thing when netting. Try not to reach quite as far as you normally would reach. Again, your footing's probably not going to be as secure as you're used to having it in the middle of summer. So just be cautious that it's slippery, it's cold, and that cold water is very unforgiving. You don't get too many second chances when you fall in a lake that might only be 36 or 37 degrees. Yeah, exactly. And coming out of that summer, I mean, most of the time, I mean, you should still be wearing and taking your safety precautions in the summer, that kind of thing, but you're dealing with a lot warmer water. So coming into fall, again, if you haven't used it for two, three months, it's something that, you know, people tend to tend to forget about. Exactly. Exactly. So we talked about, you know, the combination of all the questions I asked you of fish moving from their summer to fall. And you said yes to every single one of them. Obviously, they each play a role in that kind of thing. Um, where's the first place that Johnny Candle wants to go look or goes looking for walleyes when he believes they're transitioning into their fall patterns? So uh, I, am, I am allergic to weeds. Uh, I think you and I have <laughs> talked about that before. Uh, we've never bass fished together, and there's a reason for that, because I know you like to fish in the weeds when you go bass fishing. Exactly. Uh, so when fall starts for me, I get this really big smile on my face, because the first big migration are the fish in the weeds, leaving the weeds to go to rocks, where I feel they're much easier to target and catch. Okay. So all those nice rock piles the ones with a deeper or steeper drop to deep water, uh, but are near the weeds are the ones that light up first. Those fish don't want to move really far. They want to mm -hmm. come out of the weeds, find that first quick access to deep water. And if there's rock there, they're going to stop there for a while. So that's where I look first. Now, for those of you like Ethan that enjoy fishing in the weeds, when the weeds start to die, go back to the weeds and go back and go back and go back because there's a certain percentage of those walleye, Ethan, that don't want to leave the weeds. And as the weeds start to die, they just move from the dead weeds to the weeds that haven't died yet. And they don't all die at once, right? Mm -hmm. You'll get a shallow patch die first, then maybe another patch, then another patch. 
And a lot of those fish will just keep moving more towards the green weeds. Well, if you can find the last couple remaining patches of green weeds, there's going to be a lot more fish in them than there was a month ago. So don't give up on the weeds because it gets cold. The reason I give up on the weeds is because I'm kind of lazy and I don't like picking junk off my hooks. And not always do my guide clients cast very well to hit the weed beds the right way. So I start looking for the rock piles first, but they're both good, especially in that early fall transition when those weeds are just starting to die. Yeah, it's, I would kind of equate that, like, again, we've talked about in the other podcasts and in person a lot, is that the shallow walleyes, I would fish the same way as if you're fishing bass. I mean, they're using the same kind of techniques. They're going to eat the same things, that kind of thing. And it'll be the same transition to people that have been bass fishing. You go buzzing down the bank in the fall, and all of a sudden you find this one reed patch, one patch of weeds underneath it that you don't even know is there. And all of a sudden you throw something there and 10 casts in a row, you're catching fish. Like you said, that was probably one weed patch that, is still green and they all just congregate. It's like they school up once again as, as yep. normal. So that's something if, again, if you guys do like fishing shallow for walleye, something that's a great tip and, and moving out deeper, like you said, easier, easier to access. So where, where do they go after their rocks? Like if we're talking late fall, that kind of thing, how long do they normally stay in, in that area you like to target? So a lot of times, Ethan, they'll stay there all winter long. Okay. Um, you know, they'll, they'll slide out to those rocks. They, they like that quick access to deep water. And if you think about even ice fishing, right, early in the morning, late in the evening, low light conditions, you catch them on the top edge of the rocks mm-hmm. and middle of the day, bright, sunny days, they go down to the deep edge of the rocks and they like to go shallow to deep with as little effort as possible or deep to shallow. So steep breaking shorelines, right? Uh, if I'm fishing Devil's Lake here in, in North Dakota, I'm looking at flooded roadbeds because you have the top of a roadbed that might be 11 feet. You have the ditch of the roadbed that might be 23 or 24 feet. And we've all seen what these roads around Devil's Lake looks like, right? It goes from 11 feet to 24 feet in about one cast length, right? Yep. So they can feed up on top and they can drop right down to the bottom and go back and forth very little effort. And those flooded roads will hold walleye all winter long here on Devil's Lake as well. Or I'll go out into the main lake and I'll find some of those uh, old lake shorelines where they have the larger boulder piles. And again, you'll have a a nice tapering point, plummets from 14, 15 feet down to 30, rocks at the base, maybe sand on top. It gives them a nice place to go up shallow and feed when the conditions are right or hang out in the rocks on the deep edge when they're not feeding. Uh, If I'm looking at a reservoir situation, Right, uh, Lake Ashabula down your way, maybe uh, Jamestown Reservoir, Lake Skakawea, Lake Oahe in the Dakotas. I'm going to now be fishing the river channel side of the reservoir instead of the flat side of the reservoir. Usually all summer long, you're fishing the inside turn of the river because it's got longer tapering points, flatter feeding shelves. Come fall of the year, it seems like those fish jump across to the other side of the river channel and they want that cliff, that sheer face, that super quick drop off. They'll push bait up against it uh, and pin it against the bank and when they want to feed and then they can just slide right off into that nice deep water to rest during the daytime. So those are where I would target in lakes. Now in rivers, a little bit different, but not really. Uh, I'm looking for the deeper holes. Uh, with a little bit less current in them. You know, summertime, I was focusing on shallow, sharp 
edges, uh, a lot of really, really strong current breaks, right? Really fast water next to really slow water. But come wintertime, those walleye like to sit down in the deeper holes, slower current. They're a little bit more lazy. Uh, they will still move shallow to feed, but it's for much shorter periods of time. So do you find an area you're talking about that have the weed cover and that um, deeper rock, deeper transition, or that quicker transition, I should say, should say, do you find areas where those fish only move a few hundred yards all year long? Oh, yeah. And I love those spots. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love those spots. And Ethan, you and I have fished some of those spots here on Devil's Lake. If you remember mm -hmm. the very first time that uh, we ever fished together on Devil's Lake was in the fall. Yep. Uh, we were trolling uh, an area with a very sharp breaking shoreline that had a lot of rock on it. And maybe you didn't even know this at the time, but one of my favorite weed beds to catch those fish in in the middle of summer was only 150 yards away from that spot. So okay. uh, those are the areas that I really, really like. Uh, fish are lazy. They're just like us, Ethan, right? I mean, mm -hmm. tonight I was so lazy. I didn't even cook dinner. I picked up the phone and I ordered a pizza because I didn't want to move. <laughs> and walleye are a lot like us. They don't want to move either. They, they would rather you know, chill out, eat a big meal, have a couple perch, maybe a white bass, and then just chill for the evening, right? Uh, they don't like traveling all around the lake if they don't have to. They, they, they don't mind being a homebody. So when you can find all those elements in one little spot, uh, those fish are the easiest ones to stay on as the seasons change, especially. Mm -hmm. And another question I had regards to that fall migration, I just, I told the people earlier, I got back from Alabama and Oklahoma fishing those Bassmaster Opens, and it was dominated by finding fish and bait. Now, we couldn't find fish that was around too much bait in a bay, and you couldn't around find bait fish, you know, there wasn't any. You had to find a miracle, or that basically miracle or mystical thing of where there was a few in the in the bays and stuff like that. To catch those bass now for walleyes i know you talked about they're moving off to rock structure do you find that walleyes particularly will just sit around that structure as well or will they get off and be chasing bait as well oh it's kind of the exact same thing right uh the walleye want to be close to food mm -hmm. uh, the reason they look for those steeper drops is because that traditionally is where their food goes as well okay which is kind of nice but you're exactly correct when it comes to the balance between too much bait and not enough bait. Mm -hmm. You need enough bait to keep the walleye there. But if you have too much, like any kind of fishing, that gets mind numbing sometimes to try to figure out how to catch <laughs> them, right? So we know they're feeding on perch. So we use perch colored lures and you can't get a bite because the real perch definitely looks more real than your fake perch. So yep. what do you do? You start throwing things at them that don't even look like a perch anymore. Different colors, different sizes, different actions. Uh, uh, you hear a term in the fall a lot that I absolutely hate, but you hear the term reaction bite, yep. right? And I know what people mean by the word reaction bite, but Ethan, they're all reaction bites. They're reacting <laughs> to something. So I hate that word reaction bite. But what most anglers are talking about when they say reaction bite is you're getting that fish to attack your presentation, not because it's hungry, but just because it's mad or doesn't want it in its area anymore, or it's just tired of looking at it. Kind of like when you had a little sister as a kid and you just finally got fed up with your little sister and you shoved her out of the way. That's what walleye are doing to your bait when people are using that word reaction bite they're just trying to get it out of their space 
Uh, and that is common in the fall quite a bit, not just in walleye fishing, but bass fishing as well, because mm -hmm. there is so much bait and it is so tightly grouped together that sometimes it's hard to outfish mother nature. We just can't compete. That's why I was assuming it'd be the same thing. You're talking about the quote unquote reaction bait styles, a lot of moving baits going on and fish just slapping at it to just get it out of the way. You know, your treble hooks, chatter baits, anything like that, crank baits right. that get, get fish. They don't want it. They just smack it. And then you get hooked up for them, you know, to, to catch them in that instance or whatever. Right. But I guess, and for like, us, for us, Ethan, those baits are the jigging wraps, right? The shiver yep. minnows, mm -hmm. uh, blade baits, uh, jigging spoons but you're fishing them very aggressively, right? You're not jigging them like it's January outside. You're ripping them two and three and four feet off the bottom, letting them dance and dart and do their thing. And you're absolutely correct. A lot of those fish will be hooked in the side of the face or underneath the chin uh, every now and again, and obviously follow game and fish guidelines mm -hmm. as far as what you keep. But every now and again, they're hooked in the back, the dorsal fin, the tail, because they're just swatting at that thing to get it out of their way. Now, when we're trolling uh, crankbaits or when you're vertical jigging, like a jigging minnow or a jigging soft plastic real slow, obviously those fish are eating at that point in time, but mm -hmm. that bite doesn't always happen every day in the fall. It reminds me of the spawn time of season as well. Kind of you get fish in the face and the side and the back. I mean, that again, it's the same instance. Those fish want to spawn, make little ones. The ones in the fall, they don't, they're full. They don't want it. It's kind of the same. Right. You get the same hookups, I guess I could say, you could say from the, where the fish is hooked at. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you touched on this a little bit mentioning those lures and stuff they use. And that's one of the questions I hear. What's your favorite way or a few ways that you like to target these fish doing? So right now, uh, I just did this today. I got my boat I was well overdue. I should have done it a month ago. And I got rid of all the excess tackle that I'm not going to fish with the rest of the year. I mm -hmm. guarantee you my boat's two miles an hour faster today than it was yesterday. <laughs> uh, and I took all the, all my shallow diving casting lures out. Uh, I took most of my swim baits out because I don't see myself casting shallow right now for walleye. Mm -hmm. uh, I left in my fluke style baits because I like to fish those vertically on a jig head. I left in all my vertical jigging lures and I left four trolling rods with a bunch of flicker shads and flicker minnows, reef runners, husky jerks, the, the typical trolling baits for the fall of the year. Uh, and that's all I've got in the boat for the rest of the rest of the season. I'm either going to catch those fish uh, aggressively jigging vertically, or I'm going to catch them pulling a crankbait around probably on lead core. Uh, and that's pretty much all you're going to need throughout the walleye belt for the rest of the fall. Are you doing any casting this time of year or try to stay away from that? I will cast around with the, the jigging baits, with a jigging spoon or, mm -hmm. a, or a, a jigging wrap or a shiver minnow, but I'm not throwing it up into two or three feet of water. Now, again, there is still opportunity to do that. Uh, we all realize after fall turnover, the lake is the same temperature now from top to bottom. Uh, some of those Minnesota lakes, when the weeds die off, it exposes a lot of rock that was hidden in the weeds. Uh, let's face it, Mille Lacs Lake, Minnesota, uh, Leech Lake, Cass, Winnie, some of those world famous for trolling shallow stick baits after dark in the fall. I'm not going to say that there isn't opportunity to go shallow and cast and catch fish. I'm just going to say that I'm not going to go look for it. Uh, mm -hmm. Days are short right now. Uh, they're getting shorter. Daylight savings time kicks in pretty soon. And if I'm not mistaken, that does not favor fishermen, right? It makes no. it uh, get dark earlier in the evening. Uh, so you don't have a whole lot of time out there and I'm going to limit my search 
to uh, the spots that I feel very confident in. And again, they're going to be those deeper rock spots, maybe some of the bridges here on Devil's Lake. And, and I'm going to stick to the things I know that work well. But if you have that uh, little bit of exploratory nature, don't, you don't have to give up on the shallow thing. They're still there. Uh, maybe not fish quite as fast as you did in the summertime, but uh, there's still opportunity to catch those shallow fish. So for, obviously you mentioned something about fishing around bait and stuff like that, that you're switching colors up. Do you find yourself throwing more of the natural colored baits? Say, uh, I mean, uh, maybe not trolling. We'll exclude trolling. We'll talk about that in a minute, but your vertical drop baits, stuff like that. Do you find yourself quote unquote matching the hatch or are you throwing that off color pink or chartreuse bait? Well, I, uh, usually Ethan, I'll start, if I'm going out by myself, I'll have, uh, probably four or five rods rigged and I'll just rapid fire through them over the course of the day. Okay. I will have a white one on for sure. For certain. Mm -hmm. I will have something fire tiger on for certain. I'll have a chrome and blue on for certain or chrome and black. Those three I will have ready to go at a moment's notice. The other two, I honestly don't care what color they are as long as they don't look like something that exists in mother nature. Okay. Right, whether it's pink and orange, purple and green, right? Some god awful off the wall color. Uh, again, if they won't eat what they're supposed to eat, I'm going to give them something else. So at least I know they can see it and get mad at it and try to get it out of their face. Mm -hmm. And same holds true with the crankbaits, right? I start with those same colors white, fire tiger, something chrome. And then I always throw something out there that you would look at and say, what on earth does that look like? right? There's no nuclear power plant in Devil's Lake. Why would you put that color in the water? But every now and again, right? That's the color that they want for that day. Uh, and, you know, the custom paint job guys are having a blast painting those colors. We might as well use them from time to time and they catch fish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the parallels between just fishing in general, especially walleyes and bass fishing this time of year, where you're just talking about colors and stuff like that, it's, they're basically might as well be exactly in line because the guys are doing the same thing on the bass side as well like you said if they're not eating the fish they're supposed to be eating well you know it's kind of like piss on them we're going to give them something that at least i know they'll be able to see kind of thing and then you hope that they they bite it that kind of thing absolutely so you mentioned this before and i know the answer but people are going to want to know how long does johnny candle continue to walleye fish during this time of year is he cutting it off? Lake's when, frozen. <laughs> is he cutting it off when uh, it's 29 degrees as the high, or as soon as you can still, whenever you get down the if ramp? I, if I can get the boat down the ramp safely, uh, Ethan, there, I, I hate to admit this out loud, but there's been days that I've broke ice for 100 yards. That's what I was going to ask. Yards next. to get to open water. Uh, it all depends what my last day of fishing was like, right? Mm -hmm. So if I go out and the fishing's really good, really real, really good, really good, and I get to the boat ramp and there's a little bit of skim ice. If I caught a limit of fish the day before, I'll find a way to get my boat out there. Uh, if I fish three or four days without a lot of luck and the lake freezes up, well then, okay, it froze up. But mm -hmm. if I'm on them and I know I can get to them and catch them, uh, I'm going to go out there and, and, and do all I can to get to them. I remember a day, oh, it had to be almost a decade ago. I took, uh, took one of my farmer friends fishing mm -hmm. and it was two days after I shot a buck on his land. So it was well into deer hunting season. Yeah. And uh, his family had all filled their tags. I had filled my tag and I said, let me say thank you for letting me hunt on your land. Let's go walleye fishing tomorrow. And we launched out of Minnewaukan 
North Dakota and fish the Golden Highway. And uh, we could only fish half of the lake because the ice had formed on one half. So oh we had to gosh. break through ice to get where we were going. And uh, we never put the boat on plane because as soon as we got through the ice, we started trolling. And when we were done fishing, thank goodness that ice didn't all freeze back together and we just followed our trail back to the boat ramp. So uh, again, you got to be very careful when you're doing that kind of stuff. Don't do anything stupid. Uh, you know, be very, very cautious, go slow, but the fish don't know that the lake is frozen. Mm -hmm. They, they still eat. So yeah, get out there and catch them. And that's why sometimes I think we make it harder than exactly what it is. All the, you know, they're going to do something different, you know, in your first podcast, we talked about your point and I kind of, I remember that vividly. The fish don't know the ice is gone, you know, above them, the water temperature right. is still the same here. It's the same way. The fish don't know the ice has formed because the water temperature is still the same for them where they're hanging out at. Exactly. Exactly. So is there anything kind of off the wall that you do from a technique standpoint or a, a, a place you've found, or even some kind of a story that you found here in the fall fishing that something it's not quote unquote, typical fall fishing for walleyes that maybe cued you into something else that you can think of? Well, one, one thing, Ethan, that, and it's really not that uncommon, but folks look surprised when you mention it to them. Uh, you know, the vertical jigging thing, obviously you can change your jigging cadence very quickly, right? You can snap it real hard three times and then jig it real slow a couple times and find out what the fish want. What blows people's minds is how many times I've caught limits of walleye or very, very large walleye trolling in the fall at a speed that makes no sense when you look at the water temperature. Okay. We all know that fish are cold blooded. Their metabolism is supposed to slow down when the water gets cold. And I'm telling you right now, when I go fishing one day this week, whether it's tomorrow or the next day, I know it'll be Friday for sure. Cause it's supposed to be 55 degrees, but yep. I will start trolling at two miles an hour. And oh, if wow. I don't get a bite, if I don't get a bite, I will probably troll faster before I troll slower. And people look at you and say, are you kidding me? That water's only 44 degrees or 43 degrees. And you're going to go two miles an hour. My answer to you is this again, very close to Thanksgiving time, trolling with a buddy, found some fish on a flooded road. Surface temperature on my hummingbird said 32.8 degrees. Wow. 32.8, right? That's almost frozen water on the surface. Mm -hmm. 1.8 miles an hour, and we had a, a two-man limit of fish in less than an hour that day uh, at 1.8 miles an hour. We tried to go fishing the next morning before Thanksgiving dinner. And it was one of those days where we couldn't get there. We yeah. just could not. I, I backed the boat out on the ice and the trailer wouldn't even fall through. So we <laughs> couldn't go fish. So the last fish I caught that season was at 1.8 miles an hour. That's summertime trolling speed, Ethan. That's, that's yeah. what I troll in July, August, September. Those fish didn't care. Now, can they chase a bait? for a long period of time at 1.8 miles an hour? Probably not, but they don't have to chase it for a long time. Put it in their face, they swim 10 yards, they grab onto it, game over, right? It's not like these fish are tracking our lures for a half a mile. They're just eating them when they go by them. I always had the theory, um, once you mentioned that going fast, it actually brought me back, uh, like I said, we're recording this on November 1st, two days ago, I dumped my boat in and went smallmouth fishing and, you know, guys are pitching, you know, jigs and minnows or trolling slow with jigs and minnows. And obviously, you know, they want to catch walleyes, but they catch a lot of smallmouth doing it too. And, um, 
I throw on a three quarter ounce tube jig, kind of the same one that you and I fished with uh, when we went to Skakawea that one time. Yep. And I cracked it just like a jerk bait, crack it, let it fall, crack it, let it fall. And again, bass fishing, I would say more so it's, it's not as common because they do shut down a lot sooner than walleyes. Um, mm -hmm. but I couldn't, I tried throwing a drop shot, everything like that, that you're typically supposed to throw, dragging it along the bottom, that kind of thing. But I knew I've done it before many of the times. So I got the big tube out. I started cracking it and you know, you get the timing down and when it hits the bottom and I'll go to crack and all of a sudden you feel tick, boom, there's a three pounder, boom, there's a four pounder. First cast with that big tube, cracked it. I had one. It was, I, when I went to, before I flipped it in the boat, I couldn't see the tube. And so I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of the time period. And so I always exactly. had the theory, at least for bass fishing, when they come from warmer water to cold water, you can stay aggressive longer compared to when they come from cold water to warming water. I kind of, you know, in the springtime per se, I'll go yep. a little bit slower. I would agree with that too, Ethan. Uh, when I'm selecting lures for, let's just say, 45 degree water temperature, right? Mm -hmm. In the springtime... When the water hits 45 degrees, I'm throwing balsa shad baits, like a shad wrap, yep. uh, maybe uh, some of the new plastics that are designed to move like balsa, right? Like the Berkeley Fritz side, I think it's called. Yep. Uh, I'll probably throw some suspending jerk baits if I'm going to cast a crankbait in the spring and I'll fish them fairly slow. Middle of summer, your high action baits take over, right? Uh, jointed flicker shads, jointed shad wraps, salmo hornets, reef runners. These are baits that are very, very erratic. They have a lot of action. In the fall of the year, you would like to think you should go back to those jerk baits and balsa baits. And they do catch fish, don't get me wrong, but it's amazing how long into the fall I can still troll a salmo hornet and catch walleye on it or a jointed shad wrap or a jointed flicker shad and still catch fish on it. In the springtime, when the water gets to 45 degrees, they won't touch those baits. Yeah. But in the fall at 45 degrees, they'll still eat them. So you're exactly correctly. You can fish much more aggressively in the same temperature of water in the fall than you can in the spring. And I honestly think, Ethan, the only reason for that is because they know the end is near. They know that their metabolism <laughs> is going to shut down. They yeah. know that that water is going to get even colder. And dang it, I might not want to work real hard to eat right now. I really don't want to chase that bait. But I know today I have the energy to do it. So I'm going to get after it and eat that bait because tomorrow it might be too cold and my body just won't let me do it. So take advantage of that. They and definitely feed up in the fall. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And for us, if you're dropping, you know, like you said, your vertical baits or I'm casting and cracking something, it's a lot better. It's easier to stay warm when you're doing that instead of just slow dragging <laughs> something. Oh yeah. yeah. If you're going to be trolling crankbaits, you better take extra gloves and uh, you keep your hands in your pockets a lot. Take hand warmers. Uh, yeah. I would much rather be moving when I'm fishing as well, but oh, Ethan, I don't know, buddy. Caught some really big walleyes in October, November dragging crankbaits around. So it's hard to overlook. <laughs> exactly. Hard to overlook that too. Exactly. So what is, what's your forecast here for Devil's Lake where you're at for the next couple of weeks for, for walleye fishing? What do you think it's going to be like? Oh, it's going to, I think this weekend is going to be pretty good. Uh, that little bit of warmth is going to mm -hmm. get the water warmed up a little bit. They'll feel those sun rays beating down on their backs. They'll get pretty fired up. Uh, after that, it's, it's pretty much going to be 
boy, find a bridge with a little bit of current going through it, uh, sit on the current edge and fish more like you're in a river than a lake. Okay. Uh, unless the unless the wind's not blowing. If the wind's not blowing, then you're going to be able to out and get out in the middle of the lake and troll around some of those favorite spots, right? Uh, the Golden Highway is good. The ridges up in Pelican Lake are good. There's some good trolling areas over in uh, East Bay uh, and in the main lake too. Anybody that's fished Devil's Lake knows where those classic rock spots are. And if you mm -hmm. don't, shoot me a text or an email. I'll tell you where they're at because there won't be very many people out there. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be good fishing. Uh, I had some buddies that actually braved the weather yesterday. Uh, it was pretty windy up here. They yeah. went out only for an hour, but they got four fish in an hour at the six mile Bay bridge. Uh, and four fish in an hour, Ethan, that's pretty good. And the biggest one was 27 and a half inches long. So wow. if you give me three eaters and a picture fish in an hour, that's not a bad hour of walleye fishing. Now, granted, they live close to the lake and they can go for just an hour. And when you get cold, you can go home. But mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to say I've never came to shore and got warm in the truck for a little while and gone back out. Right. <laughs> and you, you do what you got to do sometimes and uh, get out there and enjoy it. You can't catch them sitting on the couch, Ethan. That's the bottom line. And, and I think Devil's Lake's got enough fish in it right now. It's going to be really good. Uh, some of the fall fishing I miss are in places like where you live. Uh, guys that don't have a boat or put their boat away, get your waders out and go to those smaller rivers. Mm -hmm. uh, there will be fish moving in those rivers this fall, especially if we get a little rain for a couple of days and the current picks up, gets those fish fired up a little bit. Man, there's some great fishing opportunity all across North and South Dakota in a pair of waders, especially in the fall of the year like this. Uh, you can get to those fish pretty easily. Yeah, it's 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 hard to beat. Like I said, I was talking about you know how fish are eating those baits like the spring. It's the same. It's the same thing except we're getting colder instead of warmer. You know your rivers, fishing from the bank, everything like that. Especially your low head dams, everything. Those kind of. I go to the same spots basically is what I'm saying as you would in the spring. Exactly. If, if you don't have a exactly. a vote or something like that, so. Well, Johnny, I think you gave us a whole bunch of information here. A lot of if people are interested in getting out there, like I said, you're not going to have the competition that you do come spawn or summertime. You know, if you want to go out there and chase walleyes this time of year, so it's kind of a it's kind of cool. It's a you know those eerie fall nights when the sun starts going down and there's nobody out there. It's it's a real cool time to be out on the water, no matter what species you're chasing. So, um, if you guys haven't already, where can we find you? Where can we follow you on social media, Johnny? Well, my website, johnnycandle.com, has all the information you need uh, to follow me, to reach out to me, text me, shoot me a phone call, whatever you want to do. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Facebook at Johnny Candle Professional Angler and on Instagram at johnny.candle. Uh, those are the two I'm most active on. I do have a Twitter account, but I haven't logged into it forever. So I don't, who knows? <laughs> I probably have 30 messages there that I should answer but uh i'm just not much into the tweeting thing i guess but uh instagram johnny.candle and facebook uh johnny candle professional angler and follow along my escapades uh and like i said if the weather holds out i'll still be fishing the rest of the month if anybody wants to come up and give it a try give me a call we'll get you in the boat and we'll see what we can catch yeah i was going to ask you next are you pretty much done guiding for the rest of the year for this time of year or are you still taking trips I don't have anything in the books, uh, and that's all because of weather. What I like yep. to do this time of year, Ethan, is if someone calls me and says, hey, we want to come fish, I ask how flexible they are, and I tell them, look at the calendar, and if the weather looks good, call me the night before. I'll be ready to go at 7 o'clock in the morning. So okay. 
It's uh, yeah, it's one of those things. If the weather's nice, I'll be glad to take people fishing, but I'm not going to do anything dumb this time of year. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take three guide clients out in a 20 mile an hour wind with a high temperature of 38 degrees and, and risk someone getting hurt very bad. So uh, if the weather's good, we'll go fishing. Yeah. And if you guys don't want to do anything with the cold weather, just look up on Johnny's uh, website there and you can book a trip for him next summer and you don't have to worry about it being too cold up here. Yeah. Even your dad <laughs> and brother caught him list last year with me. So I must, I must be a fairly you, you good You found guy a couple, you found a couple fish cold. then yeah. they all fished me if, for sure. If those two guys can catch a fish, I must be pretty good at putting them on them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just uh, kidding. Ethan. Your, uh, your family was a great time in the boat. Man, did we put it to them that day. God, we caught a lot of fish. We did. It was a, it was a pretty fun day. Pretty fun it, day of fishing. It was a lot of fun. So, well, thank you again, Johnny. Thanks for coming on here. And uh, hopefully we can have you on here. Probably not in the winter because I know you're not going to be around to talk to us about ice fishing walleyes, but maybe next spring we'll get you back on. There's lots of other stuff to talk about, Ethan. I'm going to be in Florida the month of January catching redfish and grouper and all that good kind of stuff. So maybe we'll do a saltwater version. Hey, might as well. Month. I've only fished saltwater a couple of times. I'd love to learn more about it. Me too. That's why I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Johnny. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for hopping on the podcast. Sounds good, my friend.